Thank you for that song, Pastor Devian. It actually ties in with my message tonight. If you would kindly take your Bible and open to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and I want to welcome Grace home. God bless you, Grace. We were praying for you and your mummy as you both were away in England for the week. And your mummy is working tonight, I think. Is that right? Okay. So it's good to have you back. Feels better, you know, when the church family gets together, right? People who are traveling are back home safe and sound. Isaiah chapter 40, if you have that, I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet. And we will read uh, verses 28 to 31 and have a word of prayer. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 28. Let's read it out loud together. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And God bless his word. Let's pray once more. Our Father, once more, Lord, we acknowledge our need of you and our um, um, lack of power, our lack of wisdom, our lack of godliness. Our Father, we are a needy people and we, we need you every moment of the day. And we love you so much. You first loved us. We're learning to love you and to live our lives for you. Our Father, we pray your blessing upon these next minutes as we study the scriptures. Holy Spirit of God, please be the, the preacher and the teacher and the convictor of truth tonight. Please use the word of God to increase our faith, to increase our love, to increase us in all of the fruit of the Spirit, including patience. Help us, Lord, to learn how to wait upon you. These scriptures we read tonight, make them very real. Make them precious to our hearts tonight. Speak to us, we pray. Lord, I pray for those that may be shouldering heavy burdens, that you would grant them not only wisdom, but power. Because that's exactly what the scriptures talk of. Power. Power belongs to God. That's what it says in Psalms. Father, you have the power. Please impart some of it to us tonight and wisdom, and renew our strength for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now, this message tonight is for those who, specifically, I should say, for those who may feel spiritually faint or weak. You don't have to be 65 years of age for this sermon to apply to your life. Old age is not always measured in the number of years. Perhaps you're not all that old, but perhaps the gray hairs are beginning to appear. Or as they say, silver threads among the gold. Maybe you're starting to notice that you're not feeling as young as you used to. Old age is often considered to be a time of arthritis and frequent trips to the doctor, poor eyesight, hearing aids, 
on and on the list goes. But you know, some people actually get old before they get old. Did you know that? Some people physically aren't that old, but it seems mentally, emotionally, spiritually, well, they got wrinkles. What does this mean? What I'm saying is that their get up and go has gotten up and gone. It got up and went. Their zeal is gone. Now, they may have become wiser in some aspects, but they lack the important zeal to get things done for God. And this is what we seem to have here in the scriptures. Many older people wish with all their heart that they could go back and start part of their lives over. Oh, they may not want to go back and be born as babies and grow up again, but maybe they want to go back to their teen years or go back to their 20s or 30s. Some people wish they could go back to their 40s and start life all over again. Of course, with what they know now. And it's a common thing. You hear people say, maybe you've said it yourself. If only I could go back and start over again with what I know now. Boy, I could make a difference in life. And it's true, you could. I know you could. But God won't let you. He has not allowed that. He has, he has laid down certain laws of physics and life, laws of life that prevent people from going back and reliving their lives over again. Don't hold your breath for someone to invent a time machine. This stuff is just Hollywood kind of thing. Physically, God will not allow us to go back And to relive part of our life over again physically. He won't allow that. But he can and he will allow us to have our youth renewed. That's his promise here. That's good news, folks. And this is something that only God can do. See, how is this even possible? I'm reminded of a time when Jesus spoke to a religious man named Nicodemus. In John chapter 3. And he told the religious man, ye must be born again. Remember that? Nicodemus is just thinking physical now. And so he asks Jesus, how is it possible that a man could go back into his mother's womb and be born again? How can that be? And Jesus, of course, had to go on and explain that it was a spiritual birth, not a physical birth. Well, we're talking tonight about having your youth renewed, not so much in a physical way, but in a spiritual way. And quite possibly that spiritual way will affect you emotionally and mentally. As well, you know, as I, as I say, there are some people that they're not physically very old, but it seems that emotionally, mentally, they're really old, aged. And there are others who physically are very old and advanced in years, but mentally, emotionally, boy, they're, they're young people. And this is sort of what I'm getting at here tonight. Now, take a look at it again, if you would, please. In Isaiah chapter 40, hast thou not heard, uh, sorry, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He, He knows all things. He doesn't faint, he doesn't get weary. He's not like us. At the end of the day, you're probably a bit weary. Those of you who work hard at some job, be it in a cubicle or you know, out digging ditches or something, the end of the day, after you've worked hard, you're tired. 
you want to take a break, you want to just kind of rejuvenate, you want to go home, have something to eat, relax, get a good night's rest, so you can go at it again the next day. That's not that way with God. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't faint. He knows everything. In the next verse 29, it says, He giveth power to the faint. Isn't that nice? And to them that have no might, he increaseth, increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But here it is. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's the rest? Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Isn't that a pretty little tune? Yeah. I've thought of that tune. Well, it's an easy way to remember scripture is when you get it to a tune, something like that. You know something? When you and I spend time with God alone in the prayer closet, our strength is renewed. It really is. If your strength is not renewed, chances are you're not doing it right. You're going into your prayer closet and you're fumbling around with your device or you're wasting time or you're reading little bits here and there and then you're just kind of throwing off a prayer here and there and you're going to come out more frustrated. The devil's going to say, see, prayer doesn't work. And that kind of prayer, he's probably right. But when you do your prayer closet right, it renews your strength. You come out of there changed. And this, I think, is so important for you and I, especially in these weary days in which we live. The world is not becoming a better place. Have you noticed? It's becoming more... The stage is being set for the tribulation, I think, with the weather and the economy, with uh, oh, earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis, uh, the price of gas and housing, diseases, you know, wars, rumors of war, all of that stuff. Is this gearing up, gearing up? This is not a peaceful place, is it? This whole world needs the Prince of Peace, is what the world needs. But that's not what it's going to get. It's going to get the Antichrist. Maybe he'll drive around the beast. I don't know. But when you and I, we go into our prayer closet and we spend time with the Lord, our strength is renewed. We rise up with wings as eagles. God makes faces to shine. When you do your prayer closet right, you come out with a shiny face. Moses went up on the Mount Sinai and met with God many times. A couple of times, it was like 40 days at a time he spent in his prayer closet with God on Mount Sinai. Now, sure, he probably had to have some sleep in there, but the Bible says that he fasted all that time. Now, you might think that's impossible, but it's not. There are people today, godly people who fast. And, and some of their fasting has been 40 days. There's a man I know of. He's with the Rock of Ages prison ministry. Tremendous prayer warrior. Tremendous man of God. I've read his, uh, his autobiography. And uh, he's done more than one 40-day fast. Now, it's very dangerous to do. You have to be used to fasting to be able to do it. Uh, chances are Moses did some fasting prior to this. But it was probably also some supernatural um, enablement of God. But Moses would go up and spend time with God. 
and he would come back and his face just shined so much that the people looked at him and they thought something's wrong and they got scared and would run from him. He'd have to put a veil on his face until the the shine just kind of wore off there. By the way, that's what happens when you come out of your prayer closet. Boy, you feel your strength renewed. It feels like your face is shining. But then as you go through the day, that can kind of settle down. And you need to get back in your prayer closet the next day. God can make faces to shine. That's good to know. God can renew youth and vigor um, by spending much time alone with God. He renews our desire to make our life count. Now, let me just back up a second here. Often, young Christian people, they have this desire in their heart to live their life and make their life count for God. And they come up around 15, 16 years of age, 17, 18, even 19 and 20. And they're thinking, you know, I might have 50 years ahead of me, 60 years ahead of me. There's a lot of living to do. And I want to make my life count for God. And these are the young people. This is the group of young people from which often come some of the greatest missionaries, evangelists, pastors to really serve God, the great servants of God. Of course, also many lay Christians as well that serve God at uh, factories and in offices and so on. But when they're young in that age bracket, this is when they're really making their life's decisions to really want to make their life count. However, the devil takes notice and the devil is very good at trying to short circuit this stuff. And so the devil brings things into their lives to drench or cool or, or quench that fire for Jesus. And uh, at, at one time they were saying, I want to make my life count for Jesus. Then it's, I want to make my life count for Jesus and me. And then it's, I want to make my life count for me. Well, what happened here? What happened? Things got cooled off. Things changed. And sometimes uh, Christians, as they get into their 20s, 30s, 40s, and, and more, they find that uh, that's gone. That desire to really make their life count for God is now something of the distant past. Folks, we need to get that back. We need to take a lesson. We need to look at the lives of some of our young people that still have that desire mm, to make their life count for God. And we need to say within our own heart, that's for me. I want that. That's why I say praise the Lord for the young people that he's given us in this church. Hallelujah. We're not a perfect church. I know that. I get to brag a little bit, you know, because I'm the pastor. I get a little sanctified bragging. I can do that a wee bit. I think once in a while, hooray for Grace Baptist Church, hooray. And I, I get to, to say, you know, silly things like that. We're the best church in town and maybe in the world, who knows? Hooray for Grace Baptist Church. It's just a little sanctified bragging. But, you know, some, some days we really have cause to, you know, give glory to God. When we see what some of the young people are doing and, and we watch their lives and they're not living their lives for the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all of the wicked stuff. And I know that sometimes young people give the, sometimes the impression on Sunday, but yet on Monday they can be a different creature. I know that. Uh, those of us who are a few years advanced, you know, we've all been young people. We, we know these things. But still, I think we're on the winning side. 
I think we've got a, term, a tremendous group of young people here in our church. And God has blessed us with that. We've got good leadership as well. God has got his hand upon us. Praise the Lord. I never want God to take his hand off. But one of the blessings of having young people is to, to look at them and learn a lesson. To learn a lesson. I remember a lesson that um, my son Jonathan taught me when he was about three years of age. He wasn't even a teenager saying, I want to make my life count for God. We were coming out of the uh, Sears photographic. We would go once a year to get our family pictures taken. And we uh, went there, had the pictures taken, went back to look at the proofs. Those are in the old days, right? With, you know, film and getting them developed and all that. We went back to look at the proofs and I didn't like them at all. Wasn't happy at all with them, except this one picture. And I thought it looked really good. I wanted to buy that, but they said, no, you have to buy the whole package. Cost you hundreds of dollars. Well, I wasn't going to do that. So I'm, you know, all feeling out of sorts. And it's around winter time, coming up in December in uh, the Ottawa area, snow on the ground and everything. And so we had our winter coats on, and I'm in a bit of a huff. And I have my wife and daughter and, and son there, and, you know, we're, we're going down. I don't even remember if David was born at the time. Couldn't tell you. But anyhow, we're going down. I'm holding Jonathan's hand, and we're, you know, going out to, the, to our car out in the parking lot. And uh, I'm in a bit of a huff. And I, I looked down, and Jonathan, his little hat had slipped down over his eyes. Well, he thought this was the greatest thing. Oh, man, I can't see. I don't know where I'm going. And I'm looking at him just enjoying himself. And I thought, look at him. He's having so much fun. Look at me. I feel like a vulture. I feel all rotten. I said, phooey on all that photographic stuff. Phooey on all that. I'm going to have some fun. So there in the parking lot of Sears, we made snowballs. I think we made a snowman or something. I don't think we did snow angels, but we had a lot of fun there in the parking lot. And it was a lesson for me. I never forgot it. You and I, we ought to look at some of our young people with their great zeal and their desire to live for God. And you know what? That can be ours too. How? By getting our youth renewed. See, that's the kind of youth we want. We don't want to have youth so we can go back and be clever devils. We don't want to have youth so we can go off into the world and do the worldly things. We want to have youth so we can live our lives for God and make our lives count. Let me ask you tonight, are you making your life count for God? We don't know how much life we have left, whether it's months or years or days. We don't know, do we? But whatever we have left, do you have a, a hunger, a thirst, a desire to make your life count for God? To affect the world around you. Because some of our young people sure do. And I pray to God they never lose it. Huh? Sometimes some of us, well, we, we lose it. But spending much time with God will help renew that desire to make your life count. Sometimes in life, a person will find themselves short of breath. And quite fatigued. Perhaps they frequently get lightheaded. And perhaps they, they often faint. And they don't know why. Well such a person ought to go see the doctor. And get a thorough medical check. It's possible they may be having heart trouble. And they don't realize it. Now what I'm saying doesn't apply to everyone. It's not for everyone. But perhaps such a person is in need of a device called a pacemaker. A pacemaker is a small device. It's placed under the skin in the chest and it's designed to regulate the irregularities of the heart. 
most people that I'm aware of that have received pacemakers have commented on how much energy they seem to have. An old preacher friend of mine back in the uh, early 80s, he was, uh, oh, he was in his 70s, I guess, at the time. I was just in my 20s, and so, you know, the 70s, that's 700 years old, you know, when you're in your 20s. And so uh, he had heart trouble. He had to go in for uh, a new valve, some work. I guess they changed the oil and changed his valves or something on his heart and put him on the hoist, whatever they do. And so uh, afterward, when it was all done, he said these words, I feel so good, it's almost sinful. <laughs> Here's a guy that really struggled to catch his breath. To go up a few steps was a challenge. But, oh man, he had his physical energy renewed. And that happens to some people, doesn't it? And that's always fun. That's, that's, that's good. These people have it good as if their, their life has been renewed. Now notice the Christian young people. Observe their lives, how they serve God with joy, how they love to be in church, how they love to get together and laugh and serve God. My Christian brother, sister, would you ever want them to lose that zeal? Would you ever want them to become like some of us? My Christian brother, my Christian sister, Examine the symptoms of a heart that's grown old. Number one, do you find you've slacked off in your zeal and your works for God? Do you find you used to, to serve God more yesteryear than today? Now, I'm not saying it's because you're all crippled up with arthritis. I'm not, I, I, I'm not trying to belittle the fact that sometimes there's physical limitations. But the zeal for God and to really use your life to make a difference. Whatever happened to that? Check the symptoms. Number two, do you find that other things have taken over your life? Whereas maybe once upon a time that could have been you up singing your heart out for the Lord. Or working in a, in a, a ministry for, for the Lord. and That was you. Not that many years ago. But now other things have replaced it. Check the symptoms, my brother, my sister. Number three, do you find yourself watching others going forward on the invitations? Going forward in their lives to serve God? Are you watching others serving God and not you? Number four, do you find yourself coming up with excuses why you can't go forward? Why you can't do what you used to do? Why you can't? It just might be possible that you might need to go see the great physician and get him to check your heart. Yes, you may be older and somewhat wiser these days, but where is your power to serve God? What happened? Where'd it go? When you spend as much time, when you spend much time alone with God, He will renew your youth. 
He will renew your desires to make your life count for something. He'll give you power to rise up and run after God like you used to and work for God with renewed zeal and determination like the good old days. When you spend much time alone with God, he will renew you and your strength and give you power to worship him with all your heart and with all your joy. He'll give you power to reach out to others and talk to them about Jesus and invite them to church. He'll give you power to let your light shine so that people can see a difference in your face. He'll give you power to do things that our young people love to do. And these are just some of the results of having your strength renewed. Take your Bible, turn back, please, to the book of Psalms. Maybe put a a finger there in Isaiah. We'll come back to that. We're going to finish off there. Go back to Psalm 103. 103. Find it there with me. Psalm 103. Keep your seats, but I'd like you to read out loud with me the first five verses. Would you do that, please? Read it out loud with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. There's that eagle again. Eagles are known for their strength and power. You know, Caleb was an amazing man in the Bible. Turn back to the book of Joshua, would you please? Caleb left out of Egypt with Moses and all of the Jews during the Exodus. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Would you turn there, please? He, he along with Joshua, those two guys, Caleb and Joshua, plus 10 other spies, 12 altogether, went into the promised land, checked it out, and came back. You remember the story, don't you? They brought forth their report. Ten of those spies brought an evil report. And they said, oh, don't get us wrong. The land is filled with milk and honey. But whew, there's problems. There's giants there. We were like grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. I'm telling you, it was more than we could bear. And the people began to weep and wail. Oh, we're going to be uh, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for those uh, bad guys if we try and go over into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb tried to, to still the storm and said, no, wait, wait. God is with us. We can do this. But they moaned and griped and complained and said, no, no, we, we can't do it. And so their heart was turned as a nation. God was upset with them and said, okay, you're not going in, none of you, except Joshua and Caleb. And sure enough, from about 20 years of age and up, 
They all died out in the wilderness over the next 40 years. They all kicked the bucket, except Joshua and Caleb. And these two guys were well up in their 80s when they come to cross over into the promised land. I've often thought, you know, when God laid down that, that line at 20 years of age, what a bummer it would be if that, you know, if when God laid down that line, it was your, your birthday and you just turned 20. Why couldn't my birthday have been tomorrow? Why did it have to be today and I turned 20? Now I'm stuck to die here in this wilderness. I've often thought, isn't that something? But in Joshua chapter 14, look please at verse 7. Caleb is talking to Joshua. He says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. And thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Pause, do the math. How old is Caleb? How old? One more time. Eighty-five. Correct. You pass. hundred percent. We go on in verse 10. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. There's the answer. Verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. How about that? As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. Them's the giants, folks. The Anakims were there. And that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Wow. In our hymn book. We've got this hymn. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Where the milk and honey flow. Where the grapes of Esco grow. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. The mountain that my Lord has given me. You know human logic said Caleb forget it. You're 85. You belong in a rest home, fella. Not on the battlefield. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the promise of God. Woo. Go back to Isaiah 41. Sorry, 40. Verse 31. You know, some of us, at 45, don't even have half of what Caleb had at 85. Well, how do we get? How do we get what Caleb had? How can we get this re renewed strength and zeal and desire again to live our lives for the Lord? How can we get it? 
Well, start reading in verse 31 out loud, okay? And I'll stop you when we get to the key word, okay? Does that make sense? So you just read, and when you hear me say stop, that's when you stop, because we'll stop on the key word. All right, verse 31, let's begin. But they stop. The word is wait. They that wait upon the Lord. That's the key word here, folks. They that wait upon the Lord. Do you know what we call someone who waits on the Lord? A waiter. Isn't that right? Sure. If you're going to wait on a table, what are you called? A waiter. This does not mean, to wait on the Lord does not mean to sit down in your lazy boy, you know, with your favorite big mug of slushy and a straw, watching whatever comes up on the TV and just kind of wait for the Lord. It's not what it means. It means to wait upon the Lord. It means to get on your face before God. Lay at his feet. Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's the key word, folks. Learn to be still and alone with God. Learn to make him your only hope. Stop hoping in the arm of the flesh. Stop hoping in what your money can do for you. Make him your only hope. Submit to his perfect will. Submit yourself to his perfect will. You see, this is really the recipe of what the young people do. They're getting alone with God. They're making him their only hope and they're submitting to his perfect will. And by the way, here's a little tip. You don't submit just once. Submitting to God's perfect will is a way of life. You submit today, you submit tomorrow. That's Monday, by the way. You submit the next day, that's what? Tuesday. You submit the next day, that's what? Wednesday. You get the idea. And you keep submitting until he takes you home. They that wait upon the Lord. There's a story of a grandfather that was taking his six-year-old grandson on a nature hike. And the little boy, of course, had a little bit of boyish zeal in him. And he was running on ahead. And he came to a creek. And he was afraid that he was going to fall in. And the grandfather could see that his grandson was just teetering on the edge of the creek. And he lifted up his voice and he said, boy, he said, wait for me. And I'll get you across. Surprisingly, the child obeyed his grandfather. And when the grandfather got up there, he lifted that child up, put him on his shoulders, and he waded through the creek and got to the other side. And the grandchild said to his grandfather, Grandpa, if I hadn't awaited on you, I would never have made it across. And that's us, folks. We need to learn to wait on the Lord. Wait on him. Tomorrow morning, make the time. 
Don't wait for the time. You have to make the time or the devil will take the time. You won't have the time. You have to make the time to spend time with God. You have to do it. You got to get alone with God. My little five point plan. Number one is wake yourself up. You might have to get up 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes early. I know that's heresy to some people. Them's fighting words. I know that. Their sleep time is precious. I don't get up before seven or whatever it is your clock is set for. You know, not even death is going to wake me up. I, boy, I'm going to sleep till seven. Well, God bless you. But if you want to spend time with God, you're going to have to wake up a wee bit early. So you wake yourself up. You get up, get out of bed, stagger, whatever. Get to the bathroom sink, put cold water on your face, brush your teeth if you have to, brush your hair. You know, I knew a preacher once, he said, he said to me, his advice was, he said, Brother White, he said, I was a young preacher at the time. He was much older. He said, a word of advice. When you get up in the morning, put on a necktie. I said, why? He said, it'll keep you from going back to bed. I thought about that. That's why I got a necktie on here tonight. I never sleep in church. Wake yourself up. Maybe you've got to, I don't know, gargle or, you know, get a piece of toast or a quick cup of coffee or something. You wake yourself up. That's number one. Number two is you cut yourself off. Get away from people, away from the family, away from disturbances, away from your cell phone. You cut yourself off. Number three is you warm your heart up. You warm your heart up. You need the scriptures. You can't warm your heart up properly without the scriptures. You say, oh, I don't know where to start in the Bible. Start in the book of Psalms and Proverbs and look to meet God in the Bible. Warm your heart up. Get yourself a little devotional book as well. On Maybe get a book on how to pray, how to live a holy life and read a chapter. And then read a, a chapter or two from the, the scriptures. Warm your heart up. What you want to do, here's, a, here's what I have found that works for me. In my prayer closet, I have a mini church service. I do everything but take an offering. I got uh, my musical instrument in there and I'll do some singing to the Lord. I'll, I'll read scripture. I'll read a devotional book. That's the preaching I get. And I warm my heart up. And then the next thing you do is get your face down. That's point number four. Get your face down. You humble yourself before the Lord. Don't sit there upright in the chair. You humble yourself before the Lord. And point number five, let the prayer begin. Let the prayer begin. And you may want to begin with repentance. Asking God to forgive you for being a creature of dust. For being what you are, a sinner by birth and by choice for being one who's a promise breaker to God, one who has entertained evil thoughts, said evil things, done evil things. You've failed God here and there. Admit it to God. Confession is good for the soul. Begin to worship him and praise him and thank him like you've never have before. And then begin to pray for yourself and your family and loved ones and for missionaries. Come on Wednesday and get a prayer list and use that in your prayer closet. And I'm just suggesting to you to tonight, if you want to get your, 
your youth renewed, zeal and power to serve God again. What you want to do is you want to wait upon the Lord, get in close to God. Can I invite you to stand to your feet tonight for a word of prayer? And I would like to invite you to the altar to meet with God tonight. And maybe someone here tonight really needs the meeting with God. Others may also need a meeting with God, but maybe not quite as desperate. Maybe there's someone here who is more or less teetering on the edge of the creek. Come to God tonight. Come. Maybe someone's here tonight and your heart is cool, but you're saying, I shouldn't be cool. I shouldn't have a cold heart. I used to have a warm heart. I used to be more on fire for the Lord. What you need to do is come and ask God to help you to wait upon him. Ask him to renew your strength, to let you mount up with wings as eagles. And you know what? You won't have to tell anyone because everyone else will see it in your life. 